This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Emily Harris, who is the owner and founder of Shop Jack and Georgia, which is a local store here in um, a city outside of Charlotte called Kings Mountain. And then she also has an online store. But I wanted to interview her because she is blowing up on social media. Her TikToks are going viral. She's killing it. And her business is thriving, which is such good news in a pandemic. So many businesses are shutting their doors. So many businesses are struggling. And to see one that is surviving or not only surviving but doing really well so well that they needed to move into another bigger location is amazing and I am so happy for her and I love sharing happy moments on this podcast and I think that this is something that we should celebrate because it is really 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 sad seeing how many people have had to shut their doors how many people have lost their businesses that they've worked their entire lives for and I'm definitely acknowledging that and it just makes me really sad to see but it does make me happy when I do see a business that is doing well and I think it's cool to just learn from and hear her story too because it hasn't always been easy. We talk about the struggles of opening up a business, the struggles of opening up a store and if you guys didn't know I used to have an online store called Shop Barboo and this was when I graduated college. I did it the like immediately after I graduated college. I kind of had the idea when my senior year of college and I don't know why I named it that it's kind of embarrassing now but it is what it is and a year later I kind of just shut the doors on it and didn't tell anyone I just didn't have like a sale I didn't announce it I just kind of stopped ordering and then closed and a lot of people were like what the heck and I think that the reason for that or I don't think I know that the reason for that is because I was really embarrassed I was embarrassed that I had started it only a year ago and I already closed it. I was embarrassed that it didn't do as well as I thought it would. I was embarrassed that I didn't like it anymore because I was like, how can I just start something, build all this hype around something, and then less than a year later or around a year later be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I felt like a quitter and I was just really embarrassed about it. And it didn't do horribly. Like, it wasn't like I lost any money. I pretty much just broke even. Definitely didn't make me any money, but... Um, I guess I'm happy that I didn't lose any, um, but it was, it was embarrassing and I didn't say it on the internet and I've talked about it briefly here and there, but here I am announcing it that, yeah, I closed it after a year and it was really hard for me and that's kind of why I didn't talk about it. And also to this day, my how to start an online store video on YouTube is literally like my most popular video. So I'm like, I can't tell them that I closed it. (laughs) There's people commenting on it that's like, what happened? And I'm just not answering them because I'm like, I don't want it to take away the validity of this video, which is really not a good tactic, you guys. I'm just being honest. It's sometimes, it's a, I guess it's like a harder subject for me to talk about or not hard, but just kind of like embarrassing. I feel like, like a failure when I talk about it, which is kind of sad, but uh, yeah, that video is still really popular and 
a lot of you guys came from that video or a lot of people that watch me on YouTube came from that video and it's still all valid points but I thought it'd be perfect to kind of do a podcast version of it and have Emily sit down and talk to us about how she started her online store because she originally did start as an online store and then how she started her brick and mortar which brick and mortar means physical location so she has a store in Kings Mountain that you guys should definitely check out but very, very excited to have her on. And we talk all about the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. She gets very real. Like she gets so real in this episode in terms of her struggles, in terms of what she's gone through with it. And in terms of like the honest reality of being an entrepreneur, like she's not sugarcoating it as like, oh yeah, this is like the most amazing thing. Um, it's so easy. I recommend everyone to go into it. Like we get very honest and very real in it, which is what I love. Um, so I'm very excited for you guys to listen to it. Even if you don't want to start an online store, I think it's still really interesting. And then also I did want to thank the reviewer of the week. We've gotten some amazing reviews lately and I always want to acknowledge them because you take time out of your day to review it. And I just wanted to say thank you. So Um, this one is from Alex and they said, I thought I'd only listen to you once to be honest because our demographic and interests are slightly different. However, every single episode I have tuned into has provided me with wisdom I didn't have prior. So kudos. That is like the best review. I love when it's like an unexpected surprise, I guess. Like I really, really love that when people are like, oh, I just wanted to listen to one episode because I really liked one guest and then they tune into all the others because I feel like for me, I'm someone that I, even if I don't really care about like the business you started, even if I don't really care about like the career you're in, or it's not something that interests me, I guess I shouldn't say care about. I should say it's not something that interests me. I love still listening to like my favorite podcasters episodes because I just like them. And then I always learn something new. I'm always like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Or I learned a new perspective. And that's why I'm trying to challenge myself more of this, this coming year with uh, reading and podcasts and what I watch and what I consume in the sense that I don't want to only be trapped in like an echo chamber of what I already listen to, what I already surround myself with, what I already know that I like. I want to be challenged. I want to hear new perspectives. I want to read about things that I didn't even know I had an interest in. Like I want to read about books about like psychology or books about like nutrition and things like that that I didn't realize I had an interest in. Like I read a book called Atomic Habits, which I kind of touched on in the last podcast and I didn't know that I had an interest in atomic habits I or about habits. Like I was like, I have good habits. I don't need to read this book, but it taught me so much and it was a book that I was very hesitant to read and then I just actually finished a book by Andre Iguodala who's an NBA player and you guys, I'm not a sports fan. I'm not a big sports fan at all, but I learned a lot about his upbringing and it was a good perspective just about um, like hearing about his life and hearing about like his thoughts on things. So I don't know. I think it's good to read more about things that you might not initially be interested in and then I guess listen to podcasts also of that nature. So moral of the story, even if you don't care about starting an online store, this podcast is probably still going to be interesting to you. We're starting a store in general. Anyways, thank you, Alex, for that podcast review. It would mean so much to me if you guys could review it on iTunes. And also, I want to say thank you for um, showing me your Spotify wrapped because so many of you guys had um, the Real Real podcast as your top podcast or your most binged podcast, which I always find it an honor when it's the most binged because that means that you liked it so much that you listened to multiple episodes at once. So that's like so cool to me so thank you guys so much i did say thank you on instagram but i did want to say thank you on here because that was amazing and also i listen to podcasts on apple podcasts i don't listen on spotify but because spotify dropped i'm like wait i want to listen on spotify now because it gives me all these analytics i don't even know what my most listened to podcast was because 
I didn't have, um, I didn't have it on my, like I wasn't listening on Spotify. So starting in 2021, I'm listening on Spotify from now on. Uh, and then in 2021, I'll love to see what the Spotify wrapped is. And it's funny because sometimes my own podcast might be on my Spotify wrap because I listen to all my episodes just to make sure everything sounds good even after I upload. So it's, it's going to be funny if like my own podcast is my most listened to. That would be so embarrassing. Um, (laughs) but no, anyways, this is a pretty long intro. I usually don't do this long of intros, but I have a lot to say. So anyways, without further ado, let's just get into Emily's episode. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. 
So you can first free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. If you guys didn't know, Emily was recently on my Instagram for the agency, and we talked all about kind of like the marketing tactics she used for her store, Jack and Georgia. So now we're having her on for a whole episode, which I'm very excited about. Um, But we're starting with setting the record straight. So we're going to give you some assumptions, some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. So the first one is owning a clothing store is just like shopping for clothes for a living. (laughs) False. That is (laughs) not true. And I would say that's about 15% of it. Um, The main difference is that you're not shopping for yourself. You're shopping for, well, depending on your customer base, 10 hundreds, thousands of other people to shop from. And your style might not necessarily be your target market. So you really have to take that into consideration. And well, the other 85% is a lot of behind the scenes work, like spreadsheets, shipping it out, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I wish it was. I know. I feel like that's what people think. They're like, I want to start a store because I love shopping and I think it'll be so fun. And it's like, oh no, that is not what most of it is. It's kind of like when people want to be a buyer, it, that's like all math. Like it's all. Yeah. It's like shopping, but um, with calculus mixed in, which right. is exactly what it is. Um, and it's shopping, but also taking a risk with, I don't know, tens to hundreds of the item and not just one. It's not like, well, let me see if this trendy outfit, if I end up liking it. It's like, well, let me see if I want to sink X amount of money into this trend. Exactly. <laughs> so. It's like, you're investing always, like you're always investing in exactly. the pieces. Exactly. Yeah. Or a flop, so. Exactly. And social media is the best form of marketing. I guess that depends on the person, but I would say that is incredibly true. And I can vouch for that after uh, having to really try and up my social media game due to COVID, because I mean, what else did I have? I'm not in a huge high traffic area for my brick and mortar. So when I hopped on TikTok, it really showed me that social media can change the game overnight. It really can. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'm excited to talk even more about that. I know we talked about it a few months ago, but I feel like now it's changed even more than when it like in April. So it has, it's flipped again. (laughs) Yeah. Very excited. I'll like go on TikTok and I like see you on my for you page and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) and I'll see it's like, people I know see it. Like in my mind, (laughs) like there's people I know. And then there's internet people. This is how my brain works. And then people come in and be like, I saw your recent TikTok. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I was like, please don't let me know. Cause it's low key embarrassing, but I'm glad you like it. <laughs> no, it's like, I'll see it. And then I'll go to like where the like likes are. And it's like 1 million likes. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. I just, sometimes I just have to turn off like the thought that people I know are seeing it. So I'm like, if my mom's on TikTok, she's going to scroll past and be like, yep, that's my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next one is having a physical store is easier than having an online store. So I guess having a brick and mortar is easier than having an online store. That is completely false. There's aspects that are easier, but logistically and like financially, it is a lot scarier than online because online you have absolutely no overhead unless you have a warehouse, you have like inventory and website costs. That's Mm -hmm. it. So 
if you're having a hard month, I mean, that's all you have to pay for. But with a brick and mortar, you have insurance, you have security, you have rent, um, you have to keep the store fully stocked, you have to have employees, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So it's one of those things I always advise people, if you were going to take the leap, that would be the second step and start online first, for yeah. sure. Did you start online or did you start with a brick and mortar? I did. I started online October of 2018, which was October after I graduated. And then by December, I had a brick and mortar. Um, so it was really kind of fast if you think about it. But in my town, it was just, it was the right step because spaces don't open up that often. So yeah, well, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I thought that you had started with a, your store already. So that's cool but to hear. Now, yeah, we had two months online before I opened up a brick and mortar. Awesome. Well, was fashion something that you always wanted to do? Was that like you always knew that you were going to go into the fashion industry? What's weird is when I look back on like before in high school up until college and post-graduation, I never really knew fashion was an option for a career um, because you didn't really hear people talk about it. I mean, you saw like, for example, this is what I always relate to because I went to school to be a buyer and on Friends, Rachel Green was a buyer. So growing up, I was like, oh, cool, fashion, fashion, but it's TV. Yeah, it didn't, didn't register me that people actually did fashion for a living. So my junior year of high school, I had someone from NC State come and talk to my chemistry class and they let me know that the College of Textiles was a thing. And before that, I was like, okay, I'll be a dental hygienist. I'll just I don't know. I'll do like just a regular job that I know a lot of my friends are going into and I can do that. And then as soon as I realized they were like, yeah, you can be a buyer for a Nordstrom or a Bloomingdale's, et cetera. I was like, that's it. That's what I yeah. want to do. And ever since then, that was kind of my path. But boutique, owning a boutique was never my path um, until a couple months post-graduation, which is really, really? funny. Yeah, because they always say, do you, did you always want to own a boutique? And I was like, actually, that was the very last thing I wanted to do for a long time. <laughs> That's so. so funny. So what made you then want change from wanting to be a buyer to then realizing you're going to open up your own store? Real talk. Let's um, discuss the job market for fashion. Yeah. Um, it is impossible unless you live in New York or L.A. That's pretty much the two hubs for um, being a buyer, et cetera, um, which is what I wanted to do. I mean, there's a few all around the country, but North Carolina, you work for one company and that's it. And I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have New York money to up and move there. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you know how expensive, obviously, yeah. New York is. So I kept applying for jobs, kept applying, didn't hear anything. This is probably starting September of my senior year, I kept applying for jobs, couldn't get an interview. Um, so that went on for a long time. And then I finally got an interview post-graduation and my dad kept saying, you know, if you don't get this one, consider opening a store, just look into it. You could do it right out of business plan. Um, and he's such like a dreamer and kind of like up in the air. I was like, whatever, it's not going to work out. And then one day my mom mentioned it. She was like, well, you know, it kind of would be cool if you opened the store. I think you could do it pretty much what you went to school for. And when she said it, I was like, hmm, because she's yeah. very much very much so a realist um so I was like well she says that maybe I could do it so long story short I didn't get the job that I went into interview for and literally that day I texted my dad and my mom I was like you know I didn't get that job my dad texted back immediately he said well dot 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 screw it go for it and so from that day on I just it was pedaled to the metal and I didn't think of it twice um I just was like if I'm going to pursue something it's now or never and so I did <laughs> um, that's very wow. much so 
lot of my career decisions have been. <laughs> That's be crazy, but, though. I know it's- it really is um, because I remember the very last day we were moving out at NC State. My dad was joking. He said, "If you ever open up a boutique, we'll have more than enough decor." Um, and it was already, it was like in July in North Carolina, it was hot. We were picking up furniture and moving it. I said, hell would have to freeze over before I opened up a boutique. And then three months later, that's what I was doing. <laughs> so, so I why that because I was so anti-boutique and then flipped it real fast. Why yeah. were you so anti the boutique? Like why is, is that just something that you thought was very risky or was it like, why didn't you want to open it up? It's exactly that. I was wanting security so bad of like a nine to five, a paycheck coming in, no matter what happened, like Monday through Friday, I would go and I would get money in return. (laughs) That's what I wanted. Um, And I was like, I can't do it. I can't handle the stress of it. I can't handle the risk. And then when I realized that the nine to five probably wasn't happening anytime soon, I was like, well, I have all this time, might as well do something with it. And so then that's what it turned into. (laughs) Yeah. Are your parents entrepreneurs or are they just like really supportive and like dreamers also? They are not. My mom's, uh, she was a French teacher for 30 years. And my dad, he worked on jobs throughout his 20s. And then he started working with a company that he now co-owns, but it's not like he founded the company. Um, mm-hmm. So he kind of had that entrepreneur stick in him because he always had all these crazy ideas. And then my mom, being the realist she is, always kinds of bring kind of brings him back down and brings me back down. So the combination of them kind of, I guess, created me. (laughs) I was kind of in between them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's awesome that you did have supportive parents that did push you to do this because I feel like that's something that is so important when you are opening up a business, like having support behind you. And when you decided that you were going to um, start the store, what was your first step? Was it because like, did you know what it took to start a store? Did you learn that in your major or like what was the first step you took? It's always weird to think about because it feels like it was so long ago, but it really wasn't. Um, with my major, I learned, I mean, you don't learn how to run a business, but you learn different aspects that you would need. You learn retail math and then you learn Mm -hmm. buying, learn marketing. So you kind of combine all those, but I would say the most helpful part of owning a store was working in different boutiques of various like success throughout like high school and college. Like I've worked at, I've worked at thrift stores. I've worked at, uh, retail stores in the mall, local boutiques, and just learning what goes on behind the scenes really helped me. But I just Google with my best friend and I tell anyone who wants to open a store that um, because they're like, what's the first step? And I'm like, just doing it. You have to figure out the licensing, the permits, all the logistic stuff. You can't just like go and be like, okay, I'm going to go find wholesale and vendors and start buying. Mm -hmm. You have all that good stuff. Create a website, pick out a name. Um, so really the boring licensing and all that was my very first step because you have to have that to be a legal business or else, I mean, you could get in trouble, but that was the first step is just Googling everything I could possibly find out because I didn't have anyone I could ask. Um, and I'm Mm -hmm. also not to ask for help. I'm very much so I'm going to do it on my own. (laughs) And I did luckily. That's exactly how I am. And I also, I did also start an online store after college. And for me, I stopped it after about a year just because I realized one, it's way harder than it looks. And also (laughs) I realized I didn't have like the passion for it anymore. And I was moving and it was like logistically, I was like, I'm gonna 
stop doing this and like shut it down. But Mm -hmm. when I first started it, I did have to get all the licensing. And like, I remember going on like wholesale sites and it was like, what's your EIN number? And I'm like, what's an EIN number? (laughs) Taxes? That's the thing. (laughs) I know. Or like when I was (laughs) looking at taxes, I was like, wait, how am I like, do I have to pay these at the end of the year? Or like, am I taxing people? Like to me, like all of that was so new and so foreign. And I really wish they teach you that in school because (laughs) I didn't know any of it. (laughs) I tell people that too. I'm like, you can get yourself into trouble if you just up and try to start something without getting all that out of the way. And that was the main step um, I wanted to do. And luckily my dad knew that with his business. So he was giving me, he was like, you have to check on this. Since I was running it out of my house, I had to check with the county, city, and state permits to see if that was legal. Um, So it's a lot of stuff. That's probably what took a month, a month and a half to do. And then within the following two to three weeks is when all the, I mean, that's when you start buying, you start building your website, et cetera. But all the other stuff is probably the most important part to begin with, for sure. And it's scary. The taxes thing, I was like, oh my God, the IRS is going to come after me if I do this wrong. (laughs) So, and that's still something like, uh, to this day, you have to think about that every single day, quarterly, monthly taxes, just all that good stuff. And people don't realize that at all. I know. I know. I feel like the taxes situation and like the licensing is the most intimidating. And it it's the one that people just don't – people just think like you can just go shopping. Like it's just shopping for yeah. a living. So you can just yeah. go in your online store and shop and that's about it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's a lot of behind-the-scenes work. And that was – I remember going through all that and that was kind of one of the points I was like, maybe I don't want to do this, but (laughs) I mean, it's just one of the, it's going to be with any job or any venture you take as a like entrepreneur is that you have Mm -hmm. to do that stuff, even just as a blogger and um, getting all that out of the way with taxes and stuff. It just is what it is. That's one of the risks you have to take and one of the logistical parts of the job that you have to do. Yeah. And after you got all of that pushed aside and you actually did begin kind of stocking your store, how did you realize like what style you wanted? Were you just kind of shopping for yourself at first or like how did you decide like the style of Jack and Georgia? That's one of those things. I mean, it's like anything you can look back six months ago and look at something you wore and you're like, what is that? But I wanted it. I didn't want anyone in this like area in the Charlotte area, Gastonia, to be able to walk into a store and find the things that I was buying. Um, because a lot of the time there's so many boutiques around here you can you can walk in and see the same sweater eight times so I really pushed the bill with the first pieces I picked out and I was like I'm going to pick something that I would wear I don't know if anyone else is going to like it but that's how I went to start so I picked some stuff that was it was kind of out there to start an online boutique but it paid off because it let customers know who I was and who I was wanting to create the customer as um Mm -hmm. and the style as um but yeah I was pretty much shopping for myself and it's so funny to look back now because I'm like it was cute but I'm like what was I thinking trying to sell (laughs) x amount of this product to uh, all these people I'm like they're not going to want to wear a multicolor fur jacket like starting off but luckily (laughs) I found people that did and that's what kind of ended up growing my customer base because they were like you know if I can go anywhere for unique pieces this is probably where it is so yeah that's so true because especially I mean I'm in Charlotte right now and you go into so many stores and you see the exact same things like you're talking about and it's cute but then it's repetitive it's like okay where did you get this from did you get it from this one this one or this one because I've seen it in all three And it's not original at all. 
I know. And that's, I mean, of course, as a boutique, you have to realize as you grow, you have to have some of those pieces if you Mm -hmm. want to sell to the masses. But really what builds your customer base and makes you stick out is those unique pieces that someone's going to stop you on the street and be like, oh my God, where did you get that? And then they can be like, well, back in Georgia. And that's what makes me happiest is those kind of pieces. They're not always going to make you the most money in the world, but that's not always the pieces that you need to make the most money. And it's what grows your customer base for sure. Right. And how did you grow your initial customer base? So especially starting online, like how, who were your first customers and like, how do you think that you got them in? Weirdly enough, a couple of my first customers, I still to this day don't know who they are because they were from (laughs) all over the United States. I'm not kidding. Like I reached out and I was like, how did you, how did you find my store? Um, and then I never registered to me that I've been running a blog for two, three, four years, however long it's been now. Um, and they were like, well, I've been following you on Well Hot Glam and your personal Instagram since the beginning. And I was like, wow, I never really considered that when I was opening my store that I already had some sort of a base. Um, but luckily a lot, I live in a small town. So a lot of the people in the town didn't have a local store to shop from that wasn't 20 to 30 miles away. So they were my customers. And then it was just kind of word of mouth and it spread to the neighboring counties and neighboring cities um, and just kind of grew from there. Um, but then, I mean, now TikTok ha- is probably where 80% of my customer base came from. <laughs> yeah, so, no, crazy. that's so cool. I feel like I really want to talk about that. So like, how did you start on TikTok and when did you realize that it could have like oh this is something that I need to continue like was it just out of boredom that you started or was it always like oh we're gonna do this for marketing it was definitely out of boredom I didn't get introduced to uh, to TikTok until the end of 2019 um me and my best friend would like send little ones back and forth just like the goofy stuff um but I didn't watch it that much and then COVID hit and I had a lot of free time (laughs) and I had nothing to do So me and my best friend were like, oh, you should do this one. You should post this one. Um, So I started doing like hair and makeup ones. They're just silly ones of my cats. And then I realized how fast some of them could gain views and gain likes. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. So I just kept making them, doing the dances. And I would just be at work and happen to be in an outfit from the store. And the very first one I did in something from the store, and it went kind of viral, um, people started asking, where's your top from? And I'll be like, oh, it's from my store. And then within, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, it sold out. And I was like, huh. Uh, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I kept doing those and in pieces from the store. And then it was gaining more followers. They're like, oh, my God, I love your store. And so I would do another one. And I kept (laughs) gaining followers. And they were like, I really like this outfit. Tell me where you got it from. And so finally, I just kind of jumped in. I was like, well, this is going to be what saves my store during COVID and during quarantine and during lockdown. And it ended up being just that. And it's ever since that's just, that's what I've kind of focused on doing. Yeah. Have you grown? Like, have you now been able to buy more inventory because you know that you'll have, you have like a higher customer base. Has that kind of been affected with Jack and Georgia? Very much so. Um, It's kind of crazy to look at this year. Um, I mean, I don't mind getting into very like, specific things at the beginning of the year I was not okay (laughs) like I was I was making ends meet and I was doing okay but the online traffic was kind of slowing down in-store was good 
but again, I live in a small town. So I was kind of freaking out. I was like, well, I mean, I'm making ends meet, but what's going to happen with, I mean, I have 10 to 15 pieces in the store. And Mm -hmm. so once I started getting on TikTok and those would sell, I was like, oh, I can buy two or three more pieces. And so I would restock them and buy two or three more. And that would just continue as I sold. And now I can have a fully stocked store so much so that I'm moving stores. Um, So it's been really cool because it's helped me not only figure out what I can buy and sell to people that they would like, but it also helps me just expand my customer, expand the range of stuff, um, hopefully expand the sizing. So it's been really good. And yeah, it's really helped me expand our inventory a whole bunch. That's amazing. I feel like that's such an incredible success, especially during the pandemic where a lot of businesses have been not doing so well and have been struggling. Were you struggling in the beginning of the pandemic? Were you worried when the closures were happening and the lockdowns were happening? Or had you already kind of seen some success on social media with that? I We didn't have to actually physically close down our store until the end of April, I think. Because once again, at the beginning of COVID and all that. I mean, March, it was still kind of iffy. And going into April, it was still kind of iffy with um, what we were allowed to do. But North Carolina really didn't get that. You have got to close retail stores until the end of April. So, mm-hmm. and then I started getting on TikTok at the end of March and into the beginning of April. And I saw a little bit of success, but I was definitely scared because even though online was picking up, I was like, where are these people buying these outfits for? The entire country is <laughs> They can't go anywhere. Like, are you walking around your house and like flare jeans and a glittery shirt like I don't understand but luckily people kept buying stuff and I was like you know if you're gonna buy it I don't know where you're going but (laughs) I mean (laughs) for you and luckily I mean eventually into July or August or whenever we fully open back up again um a lot of the southern states open back up like Texas and stuff and you could see where my orders were coming from what states were opened up, which is wild. Like as soon as that's states would open, crazy. As soon as <laughs> would open up, you would see like Florida orders picked up, Texas orders picked up, um, a lot of the southern states and like Midwest states because that's what was open. Um, and then like when California started easing restrictions, they would pop up over there. So it was really interesting because it was every single time the news would be like the states opening back up. I'm like, okay, well let's see what happens now. <laughs> Um, it's been an interesting thing to have a retail store and like a business tie in so much with what's happening in the world. It's really crazy, mm-hmm. even with international orders, too. Like when Australia opened back up, people started buying stuff again. I was like, well, this is keeping me up to date, if anything else. <laughs> I know it's like your current events, like, <laughs> it, it really is. That's really funny how you notice that. And I feel like I'm glad that you touched on like how in the beginning of the year you were struggling and you weren't making ends meet or you were pretty much just making ends meet because I feel like so many people when they start a business kind of think of it as like, you're going to have so much freedom. You're going to have so much money. It's going to be amazing. And that people don't talk about the struggles of like, is this business going to survive? Like, am I doing okay? So like, I'm really glad that you touched on that. And how was that for you just being a first time entrepreneur, even in the first year, if you're looking back at from like when you first started, like, did you have a lot of struggles throughout along the way? Yeah, I, that's why I like to tell people when they say, I want to open my own business. I want to do X, Y, and Z. I love what you're doing. I like to brief them on how horrific wouldn't be the word, but how stressful <laughs> the first year was. Like, like I said, I tell people this all the time and I've made a couple TikToks about it. I'm like, my anxiety and just 
living day to day was so scary because I'm like, am I going to be able to pay rent this month? Am I going to be able to buy inventory? Like I'm not taking a salary for myself for the first year. Um, like I tell people it's not fun. And I always kind of give the mm-hmm. advice, if you're not willing to do this for one year, if you're not willing to do this for two, three, four, five years without making a dime for yourself, then don't do it. I said, because it's very rare that anything's going to happen. And if it does, great. But just keep it in the back of your mind that it's not a moneymaker. Any sort of entrepreneurship for the first X amount of years is not going to be for the money. And you've got to realize that. But yeah, it was it was a very much so struggle in the beginning, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's something that social media kind of lacks, I feel like, where we you see everyone's success. Like you see, like now I'm like, oh my God, you're doing amazing on social media. Like your TikToks are so famous or like you're getting all of these, like you're moving stores. Like that's amazing. And people just see that. Like people think like, oh, online store equals that success. So yeah. let me do that. They don't see all the times before they might have known who you were, before you might have yeah. shared about your struggles. Like that's the stuff that social media lacks where it's like, even if you talk about it, people don't even register that like, oh, that was a whole year, year and a half, two years of your life. Like that's a long time of like being like, you know, worried and stressed. And I'm sure that you're still like stressed all the time when you run your own business, but it's like people don't talk about that enough. That's why I try to even, I try to relate it back to people I used to watch in the beginning. Like YouTube was my thing growing up, like watching YouTubers. And then you would find these incredibly successful YouTubers and they'll say, you know, for the first year, two, three years, I wasn't making any money. It was very stressful. But you're like, but you're successful now. So everything's good. I'm like, but those three years were not fun at all. And I try to beat people over the head with that, um, that it's not just, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. The business will survive. Cause honestly, that's not the case. Um, mm-hmm. and still to this day, I think what if TikTok shut down, what if, I don't know, I lost all these customers. What if sales slow down and I moved stores? So the stress always follows you. It just kind of molds and conforms into a different type of stress. So I tell people that cause I'm like, there's absolutely no security. Even if you have X amount of money in the bank, this month, last month, the month before, next month, it could all disappear. Mm-hmm. So 100%. Not scare them, but just be like, please take this in consideration before you just like throw all your life savings into this business that may or may not work. Because <laughs> it's yeah. not that fun. <laughs> no, that's so true. And so with that being said also, how are you kind of like, I guess preparing for the future isn't the right word, but like are you maybe like – reaching out to your audience and asking them what they want to see next? Or are you coming up with like, like you said, a bigger store? Is it in like in a better location? Or like, what are the next steps for Jack and Georgia? And like, how are you making it? Um, I guess like, I guess making preparing for your future, if that makes sense. But just like, what are the next steps for Jack and Georgia? Well, it's definitely one of those things that you get comfortable into what you're doing. And then you're scared to take the next step because you're like, okay, well, it's been working for six, seven, eight months now. And then the next month, what happens? But I realize every single time I take one of those big leaps, um, like, well, opening up a storefront or getting on TikTok and just trying to push my marketing, buying more inventory, even though I don't know if this many people is going to buy this one specific item. It ends up working out if you know how to take the leap, but like a calculated risk. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Moving stores was one of those because even in my town, I am moving to the main street of downtown and it's still, like I said, in the same city, in the same town. But in my mind, I'm thinking more space equals more inventory. Designing it 
just the process of designing it could be something that gains traction on TikTok or on YouTube or wherever I film and record it. And then that means more content. And then that means more employees that work and I have more time to do stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like little things that can build up to a greater outcome. Um, yeah. Because I parents that I was like, okay, if the bigger space doesn't mean more foot traffic, it means more content. It means more time for me, it means more inventory. And just those little stepping stones can kind of build to a bigger um leap in the future and that also it's like moving to charlotte um or opening the store in charlotte that's always been one of my goals and that's kind of something you look into but again mm-hmm. calculate risk you have to decide if that's something you want to do um so yeah, yeah it's in the little steps <laughs> it's scary but just the little steps to a greater outcome as a whole has kind of been what it is for now and just expanding size inclusivity with our store is something I've been wanting to do. So it's just kind of testing the waters right now. And especially with the variety of stuff we carry, like I've started pushing the bill with that a little bit more and it's paid off. So just little things That's like awesome. that. Has, yeah. I feel like what everything you're saying is like exactly what I hear from people whenever you ask them, like, how do you scale? And it's always taking those steps that is risky. They are risky, but that's the only way to scale. Like if you stayed in the same exact place, didn't hire any employees, you were working, you were running everything, you you couldn't scale that way. You would just kind of plateau and stay the same and like maybe grow a little bit, but there's only so much you can do. So I feel like what you're doing is like exactly what every single entrepreneur has to decide when it's like when it's time to take that risk. But the reward is so much bigger than what you have right now. So I think you're doing awesome. And like, you're Thank you. scaling your business in such a smart way. It's not like you're just Oh, I just want a bigger store. Let me do that. Like, like you said, yeah. it's still a calculated risk. And it has to be for example, we have no room in my store right now. Like our back room, we have five to six people working in there at once. We're shipping. We have nowhere to put inventory, which means I can't buy inventory because there's no, absolutely mm-hmm. nowhere to put it. We have about 15 to 18 boxes of inventory ready to hang up and there's nowhere to put it. So I was like, even if I get a bigger store and I don't know, foot traffic doesn't increase, I can buy more, which means more sales. And then at that point, mm-hmm. I get if that's paying off, then I could open another store or I could move to a bigger city. But you just kind of have to test the waters with a little bit at first. And so hopefully come January, February, when we're officially opening the new store, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have someone that helps you with like the, I guess, like the numbers behind it? Because or do you have you always been good at math? Is that something that you've had to kind of teach yourself? Because I feel like that's actually really intimidating for some people when they're like, oh my God, I'm so bad at math. I'm so bad at numbers. And like you're talking about so much, so many numbers are involved in opening up a store. So I'd love to know like if that was something you've always been good at. Luckily, my dad helps a good bit. Um, but I've had to teach myself that from the beginning. And the bigger we grow, the more I realize I really need to bring someone in, um, especially when you start making those huge moves to scale. If I don't, <laughs> if I don't get a hold of it now, it can get out of control. Um, mm-hmm. But luckily, my dad helped a little bit because he was pretty good with all that jazz. But um, yeah, the next step, as soon as you start opening two stores, having a warehouse, et cetera, et cetera, it can get really confusing, um, especially since it's confusing now. But a lot of it oh, just totally. by my dad and me, <laughs> which can be scary. I mean, 
<laughs> I feel like it's good though to tell people that because sometimes people feel like they need to be like a mathematician basically to like yeah. run something like this where you can really teach yourself with it too. So I think that that's also a good lesson for other people that are listening. Like if they want to start something and that's might be what's holding them back, like you really can teach yourself. You And you have to. That's what when people ask me, what's the biggest advice you could give? is that regardless of if you're an expert at everything, you have to try and teach yourself everything and learn it as much as you can on your own. Um, you can't always mm-hmm. outsource someone else for advice or outsource for every single thing because at that point it gets out of hand and then you don't know what's going on with your own business. Um, so you have to really get into those numbers and you have to get into the budget and all that extra stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, but it's crucial to have a business survive for sure. Definitely. I think that a founder and a CEO and whatever you want to call your position, you have to have your hand in everything, at least in the beginning, or at least once. Because if you don't understand something, then that I don't like, how can you run it if you're not fully understanding like at least a little bit of every single part of your business? So I think you have to understand it. But then once you do understand it, you can outsource it out, especially as you're growing, like we were talking about to scale. But it's so important in the beginning that you are aware of like everything that your business is operating and like all the aspects of it. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of one of the issues I'm having right now is because I know it's time to outsource and hand over positions to other people and let people take care of X, Y, and Z, but I'm such a control freak and I'm scared if I let go of the reins that I won't be able to keep my hand in a little bit of everything. But it's it's one of the things you have to end up doing or else you're going to burn yourself out. And I've realized that mm-hmm. um, from going to zero to 100, literally with online sales and et cetera, that you can't always do everything. And hiring people is the right move um, or else you will burn yourself out and then just not be able to function well enough totally. to create content or just push your business to the level it needs to be pushed to. How did you, how, who was your first hire? Like, how have you been doing like the hiring process? I, I initially hired when I opened just to have people work a few days here and there in the front. So I could do social media or do cryons for the store, et cetera, et cetera, ship. Um, but then, I mean, COVID hit. So I just kind of like pulled the reins back on that because I didn't need anyone in store. And then we opened back up again. And when we opened back up, that's after TikTok had happened. And so working in the store was kind of impossible for me because we were shipping way too many orders a day for me to be paying attention to customers like I needed to. Um, So I started Mm -hmm. hiring people to work for me in store while we shipped. And then that kind of got out of hand because those people would need to help me unpack new inventory. So then I hired people for the back room. (laughs) Um, So basically, I tried to pick what... I have to have my hand in the most and then outsource for everything else. So just unpacking Mm. boxes, tagging, hanging up, theming, running the store, um, even a little bit of social media, that's stuff that I can't fully dedicate all my time to. So I have to just kind of loosen the reins a little bit and then find those people who are willing to help me with that. And luckily my mom, (laughs) she retired at the perfect time because she has been my right hand. (laughs) Um, God bless her. But shipping is... (laughs) pretty much our job five to six days a week now. Um, So that's another position I'm looking to hire for now because I can't 
create content as much as I need to. And that's what I want to be in front of at all times, because I know what I like on social media. I mean, TikTok obviously can take five to six hours a day for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, yeah. as it sounds, that's the marketing. And that's what I want to be in charge of the most, because I feel like I know how to market my product best. So hiring has been crazy, yeah. because like I said, I don't like to lose control of stuff easily (laughs) Um, so keeping my hand on top of that has been difficult but it's been a lot more helpful to have people help me yeah I feel like that's something that is like you have to assign stuff that you don't have to do you know you don't have to be the one steaming you don't have to be the one tagging like that's not you're fine if you can hire that to someone else but you're good at the marketing and so that's something that you should have control over or especially if you want to have control over that. So I think that that's really cool too. Um, and then also with like starting a business and everything like that, I'm sure every single day looks differently. So do you have like a set routine that you have or like, cause it sounds like you're so busy all the time. So like, do you have like a morning routine or is it always different? <laughs> it's, It varies, but my weeks usually, my weeks and days usually look the same, but opening the new store has definitely, it's changed that a little bit. My hours, my favorite thing when people ask me how many hours I work a week, I've said, I always tell them it'll be easier to tell you how many hours I don't work a week Um, because I'm, I've ended up shifting my schedule to waking up in between seven and eight. And I'm starting to wake up between four and five now. I mean, like six at the latest, and then I'll be working until 10, 11 at night. Um, because wow. I'll wake up, I have my one hour with my coffee. I always have that, <laughs> but that's how <laughs> I keep myself sane is knowing I have that one hour in the morning to just chill out, watch whatever I want on TV and then go to the gym an hour after that. And then it's titled to the middle time after that Mondays, I shoot no arrivals. Um, I edit and upload them. Tuesdays were pretty much packing all hours of the day to try to get out those orders. And then they keep rolling in throughout the week. So I'll start packing, but then it's time to get the new arrivals ready for next week. So my days pretty much uh, look the same as I wake up and just have two hours to myself and then I go to the store. Um, But it's shifted, like I said, with the new store because now I'm there designing it and trying to outsource to my employees. God bless them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) many hours a day I'm like I am so sorry but today's more unpacking <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that's crazy though I mean 4 to 5 a.m is insane yeah. 6 a.m even is like so early for me so <laughs> I give you props to that but you got to do what you got to do in these times you know yeah. like especially exactly. with opening a store and you my have body to. just naturally wakes up now like even when I want to sleep in it'll be Sunday and it'll I'll wake up and I'm like oh it's 5 45 let's go I don't know what to do but and then I'll start <laughs> a lot of my buying for the store is in the morning. I don't know why, but that's just when I feel most decisive and ready to go. So the very early morning or very late at night, because that's the only time I have to do it. Every time else I have to respond to customers. I have to be in store. I have to do photo shoots. So yeah. it's, not, it's not a choose your own hours job. It's the oh, choose definitely. Your sleep. And then that's pretty much it. <laughs> That's so true. And then I know you're on, obviously you're on TikTok and you were saying like YouTube and Instagram. What else are you on? Are you on everything or are you just on TikTok mainly on Instagram? Right now, TikTok and Instagram are the main ones. I've tried, I'm currently like filming as I'm redoing this new store because people wanted to see the process. But 
I mean, I give you props for the YouTube thing because I tried to pick it back up when I started TikTok and people kept asking for more content, more videos. I want to see day-to-day life and it's impossible. So I don't even understand. You gotta do it. (laughs) I don't understand how you do it because I'll wake up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to film today. It's time. It's go time. I'll film something at 5 a.m. Like, good morning, guys. I woke up drinking my coffee. Okay, ready to start the day. Then I get to work and it'll be 7 p.m. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't film a single thing. And then even when you do film it and you have to edit it, that takes hours. So it's crazy. I feel I like push it, but whew. <sighs> I definitely think though for you, YouTube would be so successful. People love entrepreneurship stuff. They love like online boutique stuff. My yeah. how to start an online store is still always in the top five most viewed viewed videos yeah. of like the week. Like It always gets so many views. It's my highest paid video like ever. So I made the most money on that. And I'm like embarrassed now because I'm like, people are like, where's your store? (laughs) I'm like, like, oh, well, I can't take the video down. (laughs) So, but it's still successful. (laughs) I want to. And every single time, that's my issue too, is that the days I have fully to film are Sundays. But then I wake up and I'm like, okay, this is my day off. This is my day to film or do whatever. And I'm like, but I, I don't want to, I want those few hours or this one day to lay in bed before I have to get back on it Monday and go all the way through Saturday. But it is, I've always liked doing YouTube and I've posted videos throughout the past, God knows how many years, 10 years, every so often, like once a year. And I realize how much work it takes and just to sit down and film. And I'm like, okay, I can film this in an hour. And the next thing I know, it's been five hours of me filming. And I'm like, okay, now I have to edit it and upload it. And then I have to promote it. <laughs> and so do I it, feel like for you, I would honestly start with like vlogs, like just show your process of like redoing the store, show your process yeah. of like what you do day to day, because I feel like then you don't have to think about filming as much. You just have to okay. remember to film. So you can kind of just like set up your camera while you're packing orders yeah. and then like speed it up in editing. So I feel like yeah. For the best use of your time, start with vlogs. And I definitely mm-hmm. think that you'll get a lot of success with that, especially if you carry over your TikTok fans to your yeah. YouTube. And YouTube pays more. So yeah. I feel like it's just a it's a better investment to um, kind of transfer over to YouTube. And you can make like longer content. And I don't know. I feel like that'd be like perfect for you in 2021. And you'd like yeah. see exponential growth. I think that's like, like I said, as soon as I realized as we got, when we got the keys to the new store, I'm like, if I'm ever going to actually jump off the deep end again and try to do this so consistently, now is the time. Um, because like I've, I have like a vlog up, I have a makeup tutorial up. I realized that the whole tutorial thing is not I'm not passionate about it enough to do it Mm because it's just my cup of tea. Vlogs are more my thing and just showing day-to-day of what I do. So I'm trying. I think I'm going to finish filming one today and hopefully get it up and see how it goes. Because as soon as I posted a TikTok one time about my YouTube channel, I got 400 to 500 subscribers just from that. And I didn't have any videos up. So I was like, Oh, wow. Posted that. Yeah. But now people keep asking, please post YouTube videos. I'm like, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. (laughs) That's awesome, though. You already have your fan base. So (laughs) that's what's crazy. I'm like, okay, now I actually have people that might care. Um, But I Mm -hmm. have to get over the fear of filming in front of people. Like, I do TikToks. I do Instagram stories in front of people. I blabber day in and day out. I'm like, why can't I film a YouTube video in front of people? (laughs) 
the trick is to not make eye contact. That is the trick. So (laughs) you can't make eye contact. (laughs) I can feel it. I know she would just look at me like, what are you doing? Can you stop? (laughs) But my dad would love it. Maybe I'll start getting him on camera because he helped so much with the store too. So (laughs) so funny. I mean, honestly, I've seen your dances and I'm like, do people walk by while she's doing that? Oh, some people do. And I get so mad. The amount of bloopers I save from when I'll be mid dance and then someone just walks by and stares at me in the eye and I just immediately stop and act like I'm cleaning, like, or I'm like dressing a mannequin. But I think I've got over the embarrassment factor of that. So I don't know what it is about YouTube that freaks me out so badly. But we'll it's see. It's so funny. Like, I always watch them and I'm like, okay, you have some, like, you, first of all, you have some moves. And then I'm like, <laughs> you're doing this, like, in the middle of the day. I'm like, people are probably, like, cars driving by. Like, <laughs> and I'm right at a stoplight. That's the worst thing. So if you stop at the stoplight on, like, the right-hand side of the road where my store is, like, people just turn their head. I have these huge windows and they just. <laughs> stare into like, the depths of my soul and I just stare back because I'm like I cannot do this while you're watching me <laughs> keep driving but that is so funny no that's <laughs> hilarious well seriously thank you so much for coming on the podcast I Ooh, loved this episode you. it's gonna be so great and I feel like it'll help so many people out um uh-huh. but where can they find you so where can everyone that's listening find your stuff okay so my personal Instagram is at Emily period Harris uh, my YouTube is Emily period. No, Emily Harris with two S's. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to write that while I have the chance if I'm going to try to do this again. And then Shop Jack in Georgia is all my other handles and www.jackandgeorgia.com. Awesome. We'll have everything in the show notes. But seriously, thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I love doing this. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know what you guys thought about it. I'd love if you guys could go to the Instagram and let me know if you liked the episode, if you didn't, what you liked, what you didn't like. That would mean so much to me. So be sure to go and leave us a comment on the Instagram, send us a DM. But anyways, thank you for listening. Go check out Emily's TikToks, go shop her store um, and follow her on everything because her social media content is amazing. But yeah, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you guys next Monday with another episode of The Real Real Podcast. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovon Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. 
At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.